on their website until last week. Yeah. What is up, fellas? Welcome in to the first ever Rapid Reaction Pod of the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast. I'm happy to be joined by Alex Day and then Stephen Miller. But before we introduce these guys and let them tell y'all where we can find everything, don't forget 60 Feet 6 Inches. You can find that on the YouTube channel. And as always, check out the Twitter. It is at 60FT6INLSUPod. This will be archived on the YouTube channel, so you get a chance to go back and listen to it. And then once you get on the podcast, you can always catch that on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify as well. But without further ado, we're going to get into the series, get these guys' thoughts on it. And Alex had the chance to be at the College Baseball Showdown, so we're going to get his thoughts up in Arlington as well. But Alex, welcome in. Why don't you uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Yeah, man, thanks. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, Alex Day, so I uh, work with a group of college baseball reporters called uh, College Baseball Central. So you can find us on uh, on Twitter and on YouTube um, at collegebaseballcentral.net. Uh, we also do a podcast called The Weekend Rotation that I'm a part of. Again, it's on YouTube and uh, on Twitter. You can find me at Radio Man Day, and uh, we're always just, just love college baseball and watching it. We're talking all about it. That sounds good. And then I told him this in the back room, and uh, he may laugh. But if you're an, an LSU fan and you don't know who Stephen Miller is, I think he's been on s- several of uh, Big Game Boomer's list. But, Stephen, what's up, man? How you doing? And why don't you tell the people how they can follow you as well? Doing great, man. Uh, I'm just big-time avid fan, you know. And uh, if it's LSU and the gates are unlocked, we're usually there, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's at dsports24 on Twitter. Usually, if I'm at a game, I'm I'm live tweeting the game or watching the game. I'm gonna live live tweet it with tons and tons of opinions. So, so you know, I'm heavily opinionated, but uh, I'm definitely biased when it comes to LSU. No, and that and that's the thing, you know. That's why I wanted to get you two on here. And look, this is. This is my goal. It's something I've bounced off with you two and a couple other people to have some rotating guests, maybe more some more some than others, depending on people's schedule. Try to do them Sunday afternoons, but I realize, you know, sometimes I may have to push them to Monday. But I just think that would be a good idea. Right after the series finishes, fresh in everybody's mind, you know, before they have the chance to worry about getting back into the work schedule and, and getting ready for Monday. With In Louisiana, all the kids are off of school, right, because it's Mardi Gras break. But um, we're just going to review the games, give our opinions, People who are watching this, you can send in live questions and comments, and uh, we'll try to respond to those as well. So as much interaction as possible. And um, we're just going to get it going. You know, Alex, LSU sweeps Western Michigan. I don't know if that was really a surprise there. And um, 
they had one of the worst pitching staffs in the country last year, but they actually threw pretty well this weekend. So overall, kind of a grand, you know, 3,000 foot view. What did you think of the weekend for the Tigers? Yeah, I mean, overall, they did what they were supposed to do, right? Good teams do what they're supposed to do to, I mean, let's be honest, less, lesser competition. And, um, you know, I just think that's exactly what they did. You know, Paul Skeens was exactly who we thought he was going to be. Uh, and that was great to see. And, you know, saw the bats come alive. And I uh, think uh, a lot of encouraging things for this weekend for this team. Yeah, Stephen, you had a chance. Now, you went to Friday and Sunday's game. Is that correct? Right, right. Yeah. And as everybody knows, you know, um, Jay Johnson made the decision to move the game up Friday due to the weather. It's going to be very cold. I'm sure it's cold out there. And I didn't. I didn't get a chance to even watch Saturday's game. I was at one of my daughter's events. But um, what do you think? One, what do you think of the Tigers opening weekend of the year? And then what do you think of the atmosphere at the box uh, Friday for that afternoon start and then today on a Sunday? And it looked pretty good from TV. Man, I tell you, Friday was very, very impressive. Uh, there was a lot of complaints about the time and then the weather and stuff. But, man, in true fashion, Tiger fans, they showed up and showed out. I mean – even the student section was packed on Friday afternoon over there, and and grandstand was packed and it was loud, raucous. So you, you could tell everybody was uh had been chomping at the bit to get back at the box, and and there's so much hype around the team. So so they were fired up and ready. But I loved it. But I tell you what, Sunday's game, man, it it was very very packed there, very packed. Yeah, yeah it looked from the TV, and I watched it on TV. Um, Alex had asked me we were texting back and forth if I was there. And I told most of the games I watch on TV just because I like to see where the pitch is going, you know, what their velocity is. We can see that on the yeah. scoreboard now. But uh, it's just such a good view from home. But I love the atmosphere. But definitely, I think, that, you know, that we're just going to get into each one of the games for people that are, you know, this is new to everybody. We're not going to break every inning down. We're going to hit some high points, get these guys' opinions. There's a lot to talk about with this team. But, uh, you know, Initially on my podcast for Friday, I put out like a predicted lineup and who I thought was going to pitch, and I just missed everything. I was way off. You know, I thought Floyd and Hurd would start, and that wasn't the case. So Friday, Paul uh, – I mean, excuse me, Jay Johnson rolls out Paul Skeens, and the other parts of the lineup were – and this surprised me a little bit as well. You know, he rolls out Kling, a freshman in right field, Joe Bear playing some outfield this year, moved out of that DH spot. You had Cruz – then White, we'll get into that fiasco. Trey Morgan at first base, another freshman with uh, Jared. I guess he goes by Bear Jones maybe. I saw a lot of Bear on yeah. Twitter. Another freshman and uh, Brady Neal catching. Thompson at short. Ben Napolt at second, the VCU transfer, and obviously Skeens. So, Alex, when you saw this lineup come out, you know, what were your initial thoughts on that? You know, initially was very excited about the potential of clean – being a leadoff guy, you know, his speed uh, at the top of the order could be really awesome to have, especially when you got Joe Bear and Cruz coming right behind him. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he kind of struggled a little bit. He was kind of a little inconsistent this weekend. But uh, the potential of that lineup, I, I was really excited about. Yeah, Stephen, were you surprised? Now, you've been in a lot of those scrimmages just like I have. And obviously, you're keeping score and tweeting stuff out. But were you surprised to see not only one, but really three freshmen in that lineup? Yeah, man, I tell you, I was, I was very shocked that, that the confidence that, that it shows that Jay has in clean. I mean, he, he, he was a player of the year in the state of Pennsylvania, coming in with a lot of hype himself. But, I mean, it's 
Jay's got a lot of faith and uh, confidence in him to roll him out there. But, yeah, it was definitely a shock to see a true freshman be your leadoff batter for the first game of the year. So, big, big shock for him. And maybe the, um, it, it might have played a role in, in, in him struggling a bit. But the kid's got talent. is just unmeasurable. And surely he's going to bust out of it soon enough. Yeah, I think all in due time for Paxton Kling. And um, I thought he would take over the starting right field spot really probably after the first weekend. And I guess guess in hindsight, just like every other LSU sport we follow, right, whether it be Brian Kelly in football and basketball or anywhere anywhere around the country, you know, just think about Harold Perkins and the impact he had as a freshman on the football team. In hindsight, I just – I just was short-sighted. You know, Jay Johnson brought in this number one high school recruiting class to come in and start, and that's what he expected. So he's not going to wait around for those guys to be ready. He knows they're ready now. Obviously, right. he to trust him after what he saw uh, from the fall and spring scrimmages. But obviously, Skeens, let's get into him real quick. And before we kind of get to, get into the game, but Skeens, you know, he was 97 to 99. I put out there, I thought he may hit 100 on a Twitter poll. It looked like he didn't hit 100. But he was able to maintain that velocity. He really sat. It dipped a little bit at the end. He may have hit 95, 96, but he always had it in his tank if he needed to strike out. Six innings pitched, three hits, one walk, 12 Ks, an impressive performance by one of the top amateur players in the country, possible top 10 draft pick. Alex, you've heard all the hype around him, but for your perspective, and you've seen a lot of baseball this weekend, you know, how do you rank Skeens, and is that what you expected, or was he even better than you thought? I mean, he's pretty much as advertised, right? I mean, everybody was talking about his fastball. His curveball was really nice. and his, I mean, his slider was uh, was working. I mean, the 12 Ks. You know, when you when you look at, you know, kind of the guy he gets compared to most, right, it's Chase Dolander, right? Those are the two guys in the SEC, Skeens and Dolander. Dolander got his first loss of the season of his career uh, this weekend. And wow. so it's, it's nice to see, uh, you know, Skeens go out there and just do what he's supposed to do. Be that guy on Friday night for the Tigers and just dominate. Steven, I mean, you've seen Skeens live. Were you, um, one, did you think he was going to hit 100? But did anything else surprise you about Skeens in terms of his dominance? Or you're just kind of how Alan, Alex and I uh, fall into that, just, just ho-hum, same thing you've been seeing in the scrimmages? Yeah, uh, first off, I was definitely hoping that that first pitch of the game with all his juices flowing up. Surely I thought that if we would have a hundred, it would have been on the first pitch. But it was close. It was close. But but yeah, I mean, I I, I got to see him the last two uh, Friday nights out of the uh, the uh, scrimmages, and uh, it, it it's basically it, it's just what we had been seeing. I mean, he 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 came out and uh, just showed us just who he was, and that's what we're gonna be. But the only drawback there. I, I, I kind of found the little the comparison with him and Hess is be as being a, a high end strikeout pitcher. Just, just we may not get him to pitch in like seventh or eighth, but yeah, bullpens d- is uh deep enough, so shouldn't be an issue. But man, you can run there for six or seven innings and get the uh, double digit Ks. You're probably not gonna score a lot of runs off of that anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch him as the competition increases, you know, fun to watch him go out there and really battle with some of the aces in the SEC. And you're right about that pitch count, you know, with guys that strike out a ton of guys. You know, the biggest thing is if you're watching those guys, and we'll, we'll get into Chase Shores later in the program, but that's what he had problems with today, right? 
Right. Strike out, strike out guys. They go one, two, then they go two, two, three, two, and they foul some pitches off. And that's where they get in trouble. But Skeens was able to finish those guys off. And, and, I, and for people who haven't seen him pitch yet, and that was their first time viewing him, you really didn't see a ton of sliders and you really didn't see his change up a lot. You saw a lot of two seam fastballs, but those two pitches are going to be a weapon come SEC play. But LSU gets it going in the first, clean, gets hit by a pitch, Cruz singles, um, and then Tommy Tanks. You know, let's, we got to talk about Tommy Tanks, right? First pitch he sees in an LSU Tiger uniform in a game that counts. He ropes a single up the middle, drives in a run. Then, unfortunately, you know, it's first and third. They pick the first. And, Alex, I'm going to go around the horn there. Alex, just hopefully you had a chance. I know you were at the college baseball showdown. But what did you think when you saw Tanks dive back into first and then he comes off the field after that single, you know? Well, you know, at that time I was I was actually driving up to Arlington and I was listening to the game on the radio and I just about lost it. I was like, are you kidding me? Like the first play that he's involved with, right, and he's coming off the field. Uh, hopefully, you know, it sounds like it's not going to be too bad, but uh, that was really uh, upsetting. <laughs> Yeah, Stephen in the stands, was there like a collective groan that went around Alec Buck Stadium? All the hype, the number one transfer portal oh, player. I mean, everybody's been waiting to see this guy. If they haven't had a chance to make a scrimmage, you know, what was the atmosphere in the box after that? Yeah. Oh, man. It, it was just like a, just a deep silence. Like, oh, my God, here we go again. And we had a guy that was behind me. He was like, why in the hell is he even picking – it's Tommy White. He's not going to stick. So you're throwing over there. I was like, "Come on, man!" And then I was, I was the like, same oh. thing in my car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Okay, is it a wrist? Is it a shoulder? Is it an arm?" I was like, "Just please, just let us be the best case scenario." Yeah, it's um, and we got the comments. I've been seeing the comments and the questions come up, but Hughes, I don't. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And we'll get into your question, Hughes, once uh, kind of Dugas comes in the fold game two and three. But um, I don't know. I think, I think White goes straight back into third once he's healthy. And it sounds like from the broadcast and then some Twitter things, they just popped his shoulder back in. And I would yep. imagine – I can't see him playing Tuesday against Southern. That would shock me. I would imagine they'll wait to the Round Rock Classic. But um, Most good to hear – yeah, good to hear it wasn't anything serious. But after yeah. – Tanks gets the single right up the middle. Morgan sack fly. LSU takes an early lead, just what the Tiger fans want. Uh, Neil hits a triple, you know, in the second inning. But, um, you know, Stephen, you were there. Tell us a little bit about the weather on Friday with the wind. It seemed like the outfielders were playing like, you know, 11 and 12-year-old distance and nothing was going to get out of that park that day. Was it just – Man, I tell you, the, the big giant American flag in center field was as straight – and as stiff as it could be from the first inning to the last inning. If if there was a fly ball hit, it was just killed instantly. And if you can go back to the very first batter of the game, Joe Bear's in left, and they hit a, a, a pretty good shot off the bat. And Joe Bear kind of waits, and then it's just like the ball just hit a wall. And he's like sprints in and makes a catch at his feet. So I knew it was going to be a rough day out there. Yeah, it's um, it was. I remember that play exactly, and it just seemed like because Brady Neal hit one, and I thought it may have a yeah. chance to get out. And probably on a regular day, it probably does get out. But the freshman ends up with the triple, and really nothing happens in the game. So you get to the six, and LSU scores five yeah. runs. Cruz with a walk, uh, Pearson with a great at bat and a walk versus a lefty, I believe. 
But then the yeah, freshman comes yeah. up. Yeah, the freshman comes up again. Jared Jones with a double with two RBIs. Neil with a sack fly. Then Napole comes in with a sack fly. And um, Alex, let's just get your take on another freshman. We talked about Kling a little bit, but then you got Jared Jones, who stayed in the lineup all three days, just solidifying that DH spot. You know, did that surprise you as well, or what, what, did, what did you think about Jones' debut for the Tigers? Well, you know, there was a lot of hype around him coming out of these scrimmages. Heard a lot of things coming out of these scrimmages about, uh, you know, his power and his just hitting ability. And uh, he confirmed all of that this weekend. I mean, I, I don't under, I don't know how you take him out of the lineup right now. I mean, he's one of your best hitters. He was one of your best hitters this weekend. He's hitting over 500. I mean, you, you, you can't take that bad out of the lineup. Yeah, and I think he definitely adds – it's tough, right? Because you want them not to be able to pitch around Cruz or Morgan and White or whoever it is you want to add. So I always talk about some depth to that lineup. And then, you know, Stephen, from your from your point of view, Brady Neal once again stayed in the lineup all three days. But defensively, we've seen him in scrimmages, and we know he can swing it. And for those who didn't yeah. think he could swing it, he can absolutely handle the bat. But from a defensive standpoint, did you see any issue with the freshman handling schemes or anything that gave you cause for concern? No, man. I hey. hey. <laughs> Seen him make a few throws in the uh, scrimmages and stuff and, and blocking the ball. It was never an issue in the scrimmages. But my the only thing that kind of shocked me is seeing him get a start on Saturday against the uh, left-handed guy. Right. So, yeah. when I saw him get that start, I was like, okay. I was like, well, maybe we've got an everyday catcher here now and, and just going to rotate in the Malazzo in like the sixth or, se- or seventh inning for your purposes and stuff. But yeah, that, yeah, that's, was that's a, a really good point. Play. Yeah, I, w- I was surprised to get him to see us. I was surprised to see him get a Saturday start too. Um, that just shows the faith that Jay Johnson has, obviously, in Brady Neal. And I've said yeah. it numerous times, and I'm going to say it again. There's not a ton of people on here. Hopefully, people come back and catch this. And I put it on Twitter, but yeah. I think people need to realize that Brady Neal is supposed to be a high school senior. Right. He's hitting. Exactly in the six and seven hole for the number one ranked team in the country. So let's just put that in perspective. When I was a senior, I definitely couldn't be doing that much less. No. <laughs> a lot of and good things going on. Back and backtracking on the uh, win. I think if about, th- about three or four of the hits on Friday, if they were hit on Sunday, they'd be way out in the parking lot. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. I think the wind definitely uh, played into that. But LSU, look, they go on to win 10 nothing after that big inning in the six. I think they scratch a couple more. And here's here's some – I want to circle back to the pitching, but here's some stats I want to throw out for everybody real quick. And I want to get Alex's take on the pitching real quick. LSU had nine hits, and I think everybody's going to say thank goodness to this stat. Zero errors. And actually, I'll just get it out there right now. Zero errors for the whole weekend, which is truly impressive. They were four out of six with runners in scoring position. LSU got the, the leadoff person on base five out of eight times. And then with runners on third, less than two outs, five out of six. So just an impressive job by Jay Johnson's crew. But, Alex, I want to touch on the guy that came in after Skeens, the Vanderbilt transfer, Christian Little. And Stephen and I have seen him in scrimmages, and it's been kind of up and down. But it always feels like, to me, he's holding back a little bit. Like, I think he's got more velocity in his pocket, but it almost feels like he wants to make sure he throws strikes. But Little comes in, two innings pitch, no hits, no walks, three Ks, and it was just fast, efficient. I'm here, I'm pitching, I'm getting you out, and I'm going back in the dugout. So based on what you know about Christian Little Vanderbilt, what do you think of his debut for LSU, Alex? 
I mean, I thought uh, I thought it was really good to see that from him. You know, Vanderbilt, he, he struggled with some inconsistency at times. Walks could be an issue for him, um, which is why he wasn't really an everyday, you know, an every weekend starter. Uh, he kind of bounced back and forth from starting in the bullpen. Um, and I know he came here to be a starter. Right? That was that was okay. his goal. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, and out of the bullpen, he looked really good, and he's certainly a really good depth piece for this team in the bullpen. And you know, certainly if something happens, you know, maybe he can work his way into the rotation. But man, he looks really good coming out of the bullpen. Yeah, and and, and Stephen, we've seen him start and get stretched out in those scrimmages to four innings. Yeah. But you, and Alex touched on this. But where do you think Little ultimately lines up? I mean, lines up. Excuse me. You think his best bet is a midweek swing guy? Or do you think his home right now is better suited for the bullpen? Uh, it's a tough question. I mean, I could see him as a Tuesday, Wednesday starter or maybe like a Friday, uh, Saturday guy who like comes in in the fourth and gets stretched out for like four innings or so. I mean, cause if he's on, I mean, he's hard to hit, man. He's hard. Yeah. Alex, do you think, do you think the Grant Taylor injury had anything to do with little bouncing back to the bullpen or do you think, because that was my question. You just answered it. Did he come to LSU to be a starter, right? And obviously that's one of the reasons why he transferred. So do you think the plan was for him to be a starter, maybe a midweek guy, and then the Grant Taylor injury forced their hand to have him as an experienced arm in the bullpen? Or do you think that may have been the plan all along early in the season for Jay Johnson and Wes Johnson? Well, I think, you know, uh, you know Jay brought, brought Christian in here to compete for a starting role, right? Christian came here to be a starter. Jay was going to give him an opportunity to compete. And just with the amount of talent on this pitching staff right now, there's just, it's hard to find a place to poke through, you know, if he can keep it up and if maybe if Shores maybe starts to struggle a little bit, then maybe, uh, you know, maybe you see little get, a, get an opportunity in the weekend rotation there. Um, you know, but coming off of Skeens, who's got the, you know, the power fastball up in 99 and then you get, um, Little coming in behind him with the uh, with a nice changeup, you know that's kind of his main pitch. Uh, you know I think that's a good uh, good way to keep hitters off balance. Yeah, it's um, and 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 he's 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 a different pitcher in terms of he has four pitches for a strike, but you really saw him rely heavily on that slider changeup when he came in after Skeens. It seemed like he threw eighty percent sliders, and those guys, the Western Michigan hitters, just didn't didn't have a clue. But he has the ability to sit. 92 to 94, and I also heard, I think your counterpart, Mark Garland, said, or somebody said on Twitter, like, he's been up to 98 before, even last year. So it'll be interesting to see. I could even see him close if they needed to because he's got two. That slider's a wipeout slider, and he's got oh, the velocity yeah. for a fastball. Now, wrapping up on Friday, Stephen, any of those stats, no errors, four out of six runners in scoring position, the leadoff man on five out of eight times, runner on third, less than two outs, five out of six, in terms of getting those guys in and, you know, getting hits. Did any of those – does any one of those stats jump out more so than the others? Or what do, or what do you make about that? What do you make of this? Biggest thing is, is no errors. And I got a little pushback on Twitter about, oh, I can't believe you're surprised about that. I'm like, I don't care what, what team, what program you are. If your first game of the year that you've been chomping at the bit, and, and especially at LSU, you got all this hype, you got all this pressure to, to go and be perfect, but to actually go out and be perfect and be clean in the field, I mean, that's impressive. 
That's impressive. I mean, especially is looking on last year, where where we had a good bit of errors in the first part of the year. It was a cold day. It was windy. I mean, ju- just countless reasons on why you be okay if you just saw a throwing error or a fielding error or this or that. But we but we saw none of that. So that just lets me know is how focused that Jay has these guys. And it, it, it just they're, – they're ready to take on all the hype and all the expectations and, and just let it roll. Yeah, and, and, and that's a great segue in terms of – I don't think I really caught everybody up. You know, the fact that Ben Napolt, who I've been super high on all fall, started second. But then once Tommy White got hurt, you saw Napolt move over third, and then you saw Gavin Dugas introduced. And as we've talked about on many pods, uh, and it's – been going around Twitter. There's just kind of a revolving door at second with Dugas, Napolt, and Merrifield. And it'll be interesting to see. I would imagine they keep Napolt at third with Dugas staying at second with the way he's – I love it. Yeah. I love and it. That, and that leads us right into Saturday. And, Hughes, I'm going to get to your question, I promise, about the Taylor injury, but I wanted to wait till we talked about Saturday. But speaking about Gavin Dugas, Alex, LSU wins a Saturday game 5-3. to three, And like I said, I wasn't able to look at it. I couldn't view it. I couldn't listen to it just because of where I was. I had zero service. But Alex Dugas inserted into that leadoff spot, and lo and behold, he hits a leadoff bomb. You know, what What do you think about Gavin Dugas as a whole, as a player, and just seeing him Saturday and then seeing him today in that leadoff spot? You know, what do you think he brings to the table for these guys? Well, I mean, he brings a ton of experience. I mean, this is his fifth year playing college baseball. Not many guys on the team are, you know, are fifth-year guys. And he's he wears number eight for a reason. He's the leader on this team. And, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he led the SEC in RBI and had, you know, dang near 20 home runs. Uh, you know, so having that guy back and healthy, uh, that's a huge plus. Lineup. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, just to go over that Saturday lineup for y'all. So, as we mentioned, Gavin Dugas was at second. Trey Morgan bumped up to the two-hole at first, Dylan Cruz. Then Jones, the freshman, old Bear Jones, bumped up to the four-hole, sticking at the DH. Joe Bear slides in behind Jones. I love that combo right there. There's a ton of pop right there. Thompson in the six-hole. Brady Neal, the freshman, catching again. Kling moved out of the leadoff spot from Friday to go to the eight-hole. Then Napolt, who I think is a perfect nine-hole hitter, the ability to do the little things and turn the lineup over. And then probably the surprise announcement last week, but Steven, let me get your take. Our guy Riley Cooper getting the start on Saturday, and he was absolutely lights out. So when you heard the news about Cooper starting on Saturday, and then you see it come to fruition, you know, what did you think about that? Man, man, I was fired up. Um, I like I text you and got that text, and uh, she said, "I bet you can't guess who is starting on Saturday." <laughs> So I just sit there and was like, well, wait a minute. Okay, well, first of all. Oh, oh no. Uh, so, so, for, so for the audience and for those who are going to catch this up on podcast or uh, the video, Stephen let Alex and I know in the green room that he didn't have – he had like 15% of his phone battery left and um, didn't have a charger handy. So that stinks. So that's the uh, – that's what happens when you do live broadcast, right, Alex? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You roll with the punches. Know, that's it. That's it. So, um, if he jumps back on, and um, hold on one second, you got my phone. You can text him. All right. So I got my producer, my man Jackson, in the background. 
going to text Steven. But um, I'll get your take, Alex. Look, we'll just go after it here. I was shocked. I totally missed on Riley Cooper starting. But I had seen him in the fall and in the, sc- and in the spring. And the last outing I saw him in the spring, filthy. He cut through Cruz, White, and Morgan. They couldn't smell that kid. Four pitches for a strike. And he's just – I love him. He's just solid. You know what to expect. And he, does, he has the mentality, I think, to where he's just not going to get shaken. So, obviously, it was a huge miss on my part. What did you think when you saw the rumors and the tweets and all the information coming out about uh, Riley starting on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it, I was surprised. Right? I thought that was going to be Ty Floyd's spot. Um, but, uh, I mean, Cooper, you know, went out there and showed why he's out there. I mean, he, he was getting a lot of comparisons to uh, to Jared Poche on Twitter, and I think that's a pretty – it's a pretty good comparison. You know, it's another lefty who, you know, is not going to overpower you, but, you know, one of those crafty lefties who's just a reliable guy, and that's sounds like a really good Saturday starter. Yeah, and um, I'll put it out there, and I'll say it again, but uh, I think ultimately he ends up in the bullpen but because he's so valuable. He can throw multiple days. He can he throw multiple innings on multiple days. And But I'm, I'm willing to ride the Riley Cooper starter train for as long as possible. And uh, – he was phenomenal. His line on Saturday was five and a third, zero hits, two walks, seven Ks, 63% strikes, and a phenomenal job by that young man. Um, as we mentioned, Dugas got the game started with a home run. Cruz and Morgan coincidentally go 0 for 3 in the game, so 0 for 6 for two of your best hitters. You know, Jared Jones um, comes through with he had another 2 for 3 day with a single you know, Dugas let it off, but in the fourth, you have a, uh, a Neil walk. Kling hits a triple to score him, and then Napolt scores Kling. So your two RBIs right there. But LSU gets in a little bit of trouble in the sixth. Cooper gets the first out of the inning, and then Bryce Collins comes in. And Collins is somebody I've been very high on throughout the spring and the fall. And you've really seen his velocity jump from 89 to probably 91 to now he's 94, 95. And he just struggled a little bit. Alex, I don't know if you got a chance to see Collins throw, but – he only goes a third of an inning, two hits, two runs, two earned before Ackenhausen comes in. You know, what did you think of uh, – and Western Michigan made a little bit of noise right there. It was a close game. They made it – you know, LSU didn't have a big lead. But what did you think about Collins' day and what you've kind of seen from him fall, spring, moving into this year? Yeah, you know, I was really excited about his potential. You know, I thought he could be a really nice – I thought he could be a really good closer on this team. Um you know, but he comes out in his first outing, and, yeah, he struggles with command. I think maybe it was a little overhyped. You know, he had a little too much juice. I mean, he throws that first fastball at 95 and, you know, plunks the guy in the foot. Right, um, yeah. It's never a good way to start your outing when you hit the first guy you face, huh? <laughs> yeah, so I think maybe he just, he just came out there a little too hyped and maybe overthrowing it a little bit and just kind of maybe needs to needs to settle down. I think he'll be a really good piece of this bullpen. He's going to be a big part of what this team does this year. We just had a rough outing. Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I think Collins, he's been in Arizona with Jay Johnson. He had some really key um, outings last year. He can go long. He can go short. He's got a, that big curveball, and it's a big uh, dip in velocity from his fastball. But you're right. I, I trust in Collins, and it was just a blip on the radar. But you're exactly right. Hits the first guy in the foot, then he goes single, single. So he gives up a run, and then um, there's a ground out that scores a run, I believe. But then Nate Ackenhausen, the Juco lefty, who I don't think is getting enough love. He's very similar to Riley Cooper, I think, in terms of his stuff. But Ackenhausen comes in, gets out the jam, and all he does is just finish up the rest of the game. He does give up a solo shot in the ninth, 
but nothing hurt after that. So Ackenhausen goes three and a third, one hit, one run, one walk, two Ks, gets out of that jam to where Western Michigan really could have made some things uh, get a little dicey for LSU. But I think to me, it just didn't seem like LSU hit in that game. You know, they go seven for 30 on the day, one for eight with runners in scoring position. Uh, the leadoff person did get on a five out of eight innings. You know, is there anything to that in terms of, you know, being the preseason number one team and having all these experienced guys in the lineup? Do you think that was just a game of baseball? Or do you think that's something that I know LSU fans like to complain a lot? Do you think that's something to be concerned about to where, look, Morgan over three, Cruz over three, Thompson over, Napole over? That's a lot of overs. You know, do you think that's something to be concerned about, even though it's early? No, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. It's a game of baseball. I mean, you know, if you fail 70% of the time, they put you in the Hall of Fame. You know, like, that's the way it goes. You're going to have over days. Now, one interesting thing is actually Morgan didn't just go over that day. He went over on the weekend. I know you stole my thunder, man. Yeah, you're right. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I want to see him get back on track, you know, against Southern and try, try and get that first hit. And I'm sure that's weighing on him, uh, you know. I just want to want to see that guy get back on track because he's going to be in the lineup. He's a trusted guy. You're not taking him out of the lineup, even though he goes over on the weekend. Like he's proven what kind of player he is. He's just in a little bit of a funk right now. Yeah, no, it's um, and look, I predicted he's going to hit double digit home runs. I think Thompson has the potential with a healthy knee now to hit. I think he hit six last year to sneak up to ten, but and I think uh, Morgan hit five, and I definitely he'll come around. He's just he's too good with the bat in his hands. But once again. Zero errors, so LSU fans can rejoice seeing that goose egg up on the scoreboard. I'm going to touch on this at the end. 63% strikes by the pitchers, and in the first game, the pitching staff actually threw 67% strikes, so kind of the West Johnson effect, right? Not a ton of walks. I know Western Michigan's not the best team in the country, but once again, any college baseball team can sneak up on you, as we saw this weekend. LSU's pitchers only allowed one leadoff person to get on for uh, – Western Michigan, and that was probably the solo shot that Ackenhausen gave up. But the Tigers, you know, in the end, they get it done, right? Not the prettiest thing on a nice Saturday, but they moved to 2-0 and on the year. And, and it was like we said, Cooper is really the big story. Now, one of the guys, and Hughes Bowden asked this question in the chat, we'll just go ahead and answer it now, is I really thought Ty Floyd was going to uh, pitch. I thought he was going to start this weekend. But uh, Chase Shores, who's been an impressive freshman, you know, and he started Sunday. So do you think that, in your opinion, Alex, that the Taylor injury pushed Floyd to the bullpen? Or do you think Shores was just that good to where they, they almost could not put him in the starting rotation? I think it was a combination of a couple things, you know. Um, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball was saying when, when Taylor got hurt that Taylor was likely going to be your, the Saturday guy. You know, I know wow. a lot of people were saying that he was going to go be the closer. Yeah, uh, right. But Kendall was saying that, yeah, he thought, you know, Riley Cooper being the Saturday guy was really a product of Taylor getting hurt. Um, and I think Floyd is just – I honestly, I think Jay's just kind of pegged him as the, the closer. I mean, he's, well, I'm sure we'll get into this when we get to game three, but, you know, he came in then. And I think, uh, you know, I think that's what pushed Floyd to the bullpen and – I'm, honestly, I like him in the back end of the bullpen. Well, that's that's a surprise to me. And I just never thought of Ty Floyd being a back end of the bullpen guy. Look, I liked him since last year. 
I thought he came on big time at the end of last year. I know people were waiting for that secondary pitch to come around, and I have personally seen it specifically with his changeup. But today he was just blowing 95-96. We'll talk about his line score in a second. But once again, the uh, Sunday lineup for everybody that's viewing here on the YouTube stream. And thanks for all the comments and questions. We're going to try and get to those as quick as possible. Some of y'all, I want to try to touch on y'all's comments and questions whenever we get up to the day that we're talking about. But the Sunday lineup um, looked like this for the Tigers. As you saw, Gavin Dugas back at second base in that leadoff spot. Pearson jumps in for his first start of the season. I missed on him on my season predictions, but he struggled a little bit, I think, with the bat and some of these spring scrimmages. So Pearson comes in after that great freshman campaign he had. Cruz Morgan, you can just chalk those guys up for the remainder of the year. Jones, once again, I think somebody said in the uh, comments, the vanilla gorilla. I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> he is a large human. I'm sure Brian Kelly would like to have him on the football field. He is massive if y'all haven't seen him in person. Brady Neal sticks a catcher. Thompson is short and a pult. Moves up to the eight hole um, at third and then clinging right. And I'm going to be honest, to me, I don't know about you, Alex, but to me, this was my favorite lineup of the weekend. And it really had to do with uh, Pearson, I think, for me, jumping into that left field spot. You miss out on Joe Bear's pop. I like Pearson in left. I do like Joe Bear too, though. But I really like the bottom with Neil Thompson, Napole, and Kling. Because Kling is not like you mentioned earlier. He's not a regular nine-hole hitter. This kid is legit, a top 50 prospect at LSU. was lucky to get on campus. So if you had to pick a, a lineup for the weekend, did you have a preference Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or you side with me on this one? Uh, I'm with you. I like the Sunday. I like that Sunday lineup. You know, Kling down on the nine-hole, first of all, for a freshman, doesn't put a lot of pressure on him. He yeah. can just he can have time to kind of bring his bat along, get used to the college game. Uh, but having somebody with his speed down there in the bottom, it's like kind of reminds me of having Cole Freeman, you know, in the uh, 2017 down hitting in the nine hole with a ton yeah. of speed, and he can you know kind of be like a second leadoff guy. Yeah, it's uh so Devin, I see your comment. My bad. So the vanilla gorilla is Steven. <laughs> Hey, we're doing it live. No context to your uh, – hey, that's what happens while we're doing it live. But, hey, as we mentioned, Chase Shores, the freshman, 6'8", out of, I think, the Midland, Texas area, huge recruit. Um, I thought his velocity was a little down today. I've seen him sit 97, 99 for multiple innings. I don't know if that was nerves. There was a little cold outside. But he really sat kind of in – now he touched 97, 99 a little bit, but he was more in that 95 to 97 range today. Shores goes three and a third, two hits, one run, one earned, two walks, two Ks. Look, it's a freshman. You're on the preseason national team, consensus national number one team, excuse me. Um, seemed like a little bit of nerves, but also saw some things that I saw in the fall and the spring to where every now and then he just starts missing a little bit with his fastball. His motion gets a little out of whack, and look, he's a freshman, and I miss with my motion constantly. So I'm not, I'm not going to be too hard on this kid at all. But – Alex, what were your impressions of him? What you thought? Maybe some freshman nerves or, um, you know, really good outing by Chase Shores. What, what did you think about his outing as a whole? I mean, as a whole, you know, I think it was kind of what you mentioned with freshman nerves, you know. I think uh, he's got – the ceiling on him is sky high. And he's freshman. You just got to give him some time, you know. I mean, he's also, you know, 6'8". He's 18 years old. He's trying to grow into that – 
huge frame. And, you know, it's easy for a guy that big, uh, you know, to get their me- mechanics off a little bit and doesn't take much for their mechanics to get off a little bit. And so right. you, know, you, end up with, you end up walking a lot of guys. Yeah. And I think I'm sure that'll be an area of improvement for him moving forward. And um, I don't want the Tiger faithful to lose faith in Chase Shores, especially if it's the first time you've seen him. And you, you say, I can't believe we're starting a freshman. Why are we doing that? We have so many other good people, but look, you got to trust Wes Johnson, the pitching coach, and Jay Johnson. And they said that he and him and Riley Cooper were the most dominant pitchers in when they looked at fall and spring scrimmages. So they felt he deserved that. And I do too. And I think he's going to start next week in Round Rock. I can't imagine they'd move him off that spot. But just to let people know, you know, Dugas goes three for three with a home run. Pearson goes one for three. And then you have our man Dylan Cruz, who's really got off to a hot start this year. He goes one for three today. And he hits – uh really a patented cruise missile, you know, and I think LSU baseball data had that thing. Here we go. Look at this guys. Y'all tuning in live right now. You get to see this graphic right here. So if you don't follow LSU baseball data on Twitter, it's a great account. Cruise hits that sucker 440, a monster shot right to the batter's eye, right to the right of the batter's eye. It exit at 111 uh, miles per hour. And look, Alex, there's, ton of good words to go on about Dylan Cruz. Um, LSU put the graphic up that I think he has hit. Um, let me see. One wait. 41 career home runs. He's slowly creeping up that list. Now, what can you say about Dylan Cruz? Obviously, all the pressure on this kid this year, all the accolades. You know, just talk about, you know, him from a national perspective and, and him as a player. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly the best player in college baseball. and it's exciting to get to watch him, uh, you know, play for another season. Um, you know, he's one of, he's my pick for the golden spikes, you know, over at college baseball central. He's my pick for golden spikes this year. And I would love to see him just completely put another great season together, win the golden spikes, you know, win national play of the year, all of that, and go down as one of the best players, you know, in, in LSU history, you know, go down with being same conversation as, as Eddie Furness, you know, uh, Todd Walker, and those guys. He's, yeah. he's probably more talented than those guys were at his age. Yeah, I, I think that – I played with Eddie and uber-talented. And a side note, Eddie Furness's son hit a home run this weekend, his first college AB. So hats off to Eddie's son and Ole Miss. Uh, but so do you think – listen, if Cruz puts together another year like he had last year or just – or just an average of the, his freshman year, which was disgusting, and then last year where he had 22 home runs. I mean, that guy's got to get his number retired, right? I think it's he's got to get up on the wall, I would think. So I think, you know, here at LSU, right, you're judged on, on championships. Yeah, so well. I think if, if, he wants his, if he wants his name up there with those guys, he's got to go win a natty. Yeah, it's uh, Ben McDonald, Todd Walker, Eddie Furness, and Skip, obviously, and that's – I think that's what I want more for him, Morgan, other Dugas, guys like that, is to get to Omaha to experience that. Jay's been there. So it's really – I think he's building something special here. But I really want to see those guys get to Omaha to experience that this year. I think they have the squad to do it. But I think that would just be the – and then as we talk about, right, we, we text. But once you get to Omaha, it's flip a coin, right? You never know what's going to happen. And that would just be the uh, cherry on top of that young man's career. So – kind of going through some superlatives from today, uh, the Sunday game. And it really just kind of got out of hand. And I, this is what I wanted to see on the Sunday game, right? I wanted to see them hit. You know, Friday night, 
They scored a lot of runs. They didn't really bang the ball around the ballpark. They did a good job with runners in scoring position. Uh, Saturday was a bit of a struggle. They had to win a close game. But Sunday, I wanted to see them come out and explode. And I think that's what you saw towards the end of the game. Uh, Jones goes one for two. Neil goes one for two. You see Thompson get on the board with a bomb. Um, so to see him get off the snide and have a good series. So what did you uh, – do you think this is more of how they're going to hit throughout the lineup today? Or is, do you think it was a little bit of a bad Western Michigan pitching and you kind of finally got in their bullpen? Uh, I think it was kind of a combination of both. You know, yeah, it was definitely – Definitely got into some of their, you know, some of the you know, lesser arms in their bullpen. And so you took advantage of it, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. And it's what's going to happen to a lot of pitching staffs when they face the LSU lineup, you know, on Sunday. Um, you know, but I, I really liked what they did on Friday, too. It was just they didn't rely on the long ball. The long ball just wasn't happening that day. But they were able to really manufacture those runs, go station to station, get guys in from third base. You know that, that's winning baseball. Yeah, it's um. And to your point, LSU got six out of eight leadoff men on, and in the Sunday game, three out of three with runners on third base with less than two outs. And for those that weren't able to get to a lot of the scrimmages, that is one thing I saw Jay Johnson and his staff work on from the fall scrimmages to the spring scrimmages. They would start almost every inning off with a specific situation. It could be a runner on second base and the hitter would have to sacrifice them over. They would give them two or three pitches. If they didn't do that, they clear the bases and start the inning over. Uh, they put runners on first and third. They'd have the hitter squeeze somebody in. They put a runner on first base and they do a hit and run. So to me, he really amped up the concentration level and really drilled home the importance of scoring runs when people are in scoring position and really hearken on the little things, sacrifice, squeeze, because as you know, and you saw this weekend, some SEC teams, when they get into some of those arms on Friday and Saturday night, they're going to have to win 3-2, 3-1, 2-0, maybe even 5-4. to four, And it's going to come down to late innings and little things. So it was really good to see those guys execute. Um, back to the pitchers after Shores, Dutton came in and relieved him and, and got out of a little bit of a jam. Dutton goes two-thirds of an inning. Then we see Ty Floyd come in, three innings pitched. Zero hit, zero run, zero walks, four Ks. And as you mentioned, you can see him being the closer. Just what did you see from him in terms of his stuff today? And I, I just wonder from a closer's perspective, do you think he'll be able to throw multiple times in the weekend? And you may have to go out of limb on that. I just wonder about that, you know, with Floyd, because we know he can go long and he's got the stuff to close. So you, so that's where you see him fitting in, huh? Yeah, I think so. You know, I like – I'm thinking him and Ackenhausen kind of tag teaming that back end of the bullpen, you know, maybe, you know, one pitch is eighth, one pitch is ninth or, or however they want to do it. Maybe one closes Friday, one closes Saturday, you know, however they want to do it. But those two guys in the back of the bullpen, uh, I think could be a really deadly combination. Uh, you know, as far as can't I go, you know, go multiple times in a weekend. Yeah. I mean, he did some his freshman year. He pitched out of the bullpen his freshman right. year. And he did – I don't remember a specific time. I think he pitched – I think someone pitched twice uh, in the, um, the Eugene Regional. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's done multiple times in a weekend before in his career. So, you know. I we'll got see. you. Yeah. yeah, and they might not have to run into that closer situation uh, for a while. And the guy I was really interested to see throw was freshman Aiden Moffitt. They had mentioned him from a closing perspective too. He didn't get a chance to take the mound this weekend. And then Blake Money finishes it up. Two innings pitched. He gave up a home run. Uh, three Ks. 
for money. And I think money is going to slide into a, a bullpen role this year. I think that's where he's going to be used best to where if the starter gets knocked out early, money or Dutton can go three or four or five innings if you need him to, if something crazy happens because they've both been starters. And uh, it was good to see money get out there and have a, have a pretty clean outing. All right, I got to ask you, the more impressive freshman, Brady Meal, three for five on the weekend with four walks, or – Jared Jones, a.k.a. not the Vanilla Gorilla, we found out. <laughs> Bear Jones, four for eight in that DH spot with three walks as well with several RBIs. So who do you think had the more impressive weekend out of those freshmen? I would say Paxton Kling. I mean, he did great in the field, but he only went one for nine. So we'll leave him off the list. I don't want people to think I'm forgetting about him. But he just didn't uh, have as good a weekend as Jones or Neal. Yeah, I mean, do I have to pick one? I mean, they both. Yeah, you know, they put both me on the have... spot. You got to pick one. Come on. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna say Jones. I mean, the guy is just—he didn't. I don't remember seeing him have a soft ball hit. Like everything right. comes off his bat. It was bat hard. I you know he had that big, you know, double today, and he's a really—he just has a really mature at bat. I mean, so does Brady Neal. They both just take really mature at bats, and they. They don't, they don't chase garbage pitches, and uh, you know. But Jared Jones is going to have a, a big career here. Yeah, there's no doubt, and it'll be interesting to see how that that shakes out between Neil Jones and then Ethan Fry, who kind of who got a at bat today and he ripped one to third base. I think it took hit off the guy's wrist, and I know Jones and Fry give me big time Bass Brother feels because those guys <laughs> are massive. But um, to me. I don't know. I'm going to have to say Brady Neal maybe just because of the job he did catching. You know, you're not going to hear anybody talk bad about his defense. That's some really good at bats. But maybe the player of the weekend is Gavin Dugas. Look, six for eight, two home runs. He didn't even start Friday. And I think Hughes may have asked this question earlier, but I'll put you on the spot and I'll give my opinion. Um, let's fast forward to next weekend. and You'll be in Round Rock. You live in the area. Tommy Tanks is healthy. So what do you do at that second base spot, right? And the Polk. He, he went 0 for 7 this weekend, but he had some really good at-bats, drove in some runs. Do you think Dugas maintains that spot at second just because of how hot he is? Yeah, I, I don't see how you take him out of the lineup after what he did this weekend. I mean, Napolt is a really nice player. I, I put it on Twitter that he kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, of Chris Reed. Yeah. You know, he, he had, he's just a solid player. He's really good at-bats. He does the little things right. He's a good defender. Um, you know, but Gavin just gives you an element to his game that that Napolt doesn't, and you don't lose that much uh, defensively. Didn't look like Gavin made some really nice plays at yeah. second base this weekend, um, and yeah, I, I think Gavin holds on to that spot. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. And, and the good thing about I think about Napolt is <clears throat> is his versatility, right? He can play second, short, or third. He's played all those spots in scrimmages, and and Jay and those guys made a point of really moving multiple guys around the infield. I don't think they were foreseeing an injury to Tommy White, but just in case something happened. So they have multiple guys that can play third, short, and second and do it well. And uh, I know all the Louisiana faithful were happy to see Gavin Gidry get in there at the end, the freshman from Barb. So very highly touted as well. But just a couple of stats to wrap it up. And then I really want to get your opinion on where you were this weekend. But for the weekend, LSU's pitchers only gave up nine hits, which is absolutely disgusting. Very impressive. Um, even considering their opponent, it doesn't matter to me in college baseball to give up nine hits. Uh, 16 out of 24 innings, the hitters got on base. So 66% of the time, LSU's hitters got on base. And the pitchers averaged 
you look at all their pitchers, 67% strikes on the weekend. So to me, you know, besides the zero errors, and I, I know people will point to that, just some impressive stats by the hitters and the pitchers, even though it may have been a little bit of a dud on that Saturday game. But to wrap up, let's just wrap up here. Why don't you tell people where you were this weekend and maybe give them – I don't know if you started diving into the Round Rock Classic next weekend where LSU plays Iowa, Kansas State, and Sam Houston State. Maybe give them a little bit of a preview of what you think will happen next weekend as well. Yeah, so yeah, this weekend I was over at the College Baseball Showdown, uh, and I got to see uh, Arkansas, Vandy, uh, and Mizzou out of the SEC, and then Texas, Oklahoma State, and TCU out of the Big 12. Uh, you know, kind of some of the major takeaways is uh, Arkansas's Friday night guy, Hagan Smith, he is the real deal. He is dealing, and he uh, he was impressive this week. He was impressive on Friday night. And then the other closer, Brady Tiger. Brady Tiger. Those two, he, those two are going to uh, win a lot of Friday games for, for Arkansas. Um, but the most impressive team on the weekend was TCU. I mean, TCU blew out Vanderbilt, blew out Arkansas. Um, and Arkansas kind of took their frustrations on being blown out by TCU last night out on Oklahoma State today and uh, beat them 18-1. to Um so, you know, Arkansas, you know, kind of my big question for Arkansas coming into the season was, are they going to be able to hit? Yeah. You know, they, right. they lost so much. And, man, I tell you, Stovall, Wagner, uh, Slavens, yep. those guys were banging the ball around the yard. You know, even when they got they, they got beat up by TCU, um, they were hitting the ball. They were, you know, they were just kind of hitting it right at people, though, but – there was a lot of loud outs. There was not very many softballs uh, hitting. I put out on on Twitter that it was a bad night to be a baseball in Arlington when those two teams were banging around. Yeah, it's um. I know Hagen Smith. He was a lefty. He dealt against LSU last year. He's low to mid nineties, and I know Tigart's a stud at the end. It'll be interesting to see though. I know McIntyre got banged around pretty good. I think they're they're two number two starter because they lost Jackson Wiggins, who was supposed to be their two or their three. He could have gone either way, but um, you think that you think the Hogs got enough arms over there to help to help with those bats, or they'll figure it out? I think they do. Um, you know, McIntyre, yeah, he got bust, he got knocked around pretty good uh, against TCU. I think he, he didn't make it out of the second inning. I don't think. Um, but TCU is going to do that to a lot of a lot of starting pitchers. They have a really good lineup. Um, they were very impressive this weekend. Uh, but their Sunday guy, Hunter, Hunter Holland, who is a transfer from San Jacinto, uh, he came in today and was just money. Like he kept a really good Oklahoma State lineup down for seven or for six innings and was very impressive. So I think I think they've got uh, there might be some some figuring out uh, that needs to happen in, in kind of the, the middle innings for them. Uh, in the bullpen, but they've got talent in there, and I, I think Dave Van Horn will get that figured out. They're going to be a, uh, they're going to be hard to handle in the SEC for sure. Yeah, that's a, that's that. Those are two of the three. Those are two of the really early SEC series that LSU has with Arkansas and Tennessee coming in back to back weekends, the second and third series of the year. So I know the box is going to be rocking. And then this week, so LSU's got a, a game against Southern on Tuesday. So Fat Tuesday for everybody here at two o'clock start. Obviously, um, Thatcher Hurd is supposed to start that, the transfer from UCLA. And subsequently, he should start the following midweek game against Texas. So after LSU goes to Round Rock, 
to play in that tournament. They will follow it up with a midweek game in Austin. And then from there, you know, then they'll have, uh, I believe, a weird four-game set after that. But any really quick, before we get into kind of a question session, I know we have some questions that got sent in. Any quick outlook on the Round Rock Classic with Kansas State, Iowa, and Sam Houston State? I know I'm kind of going to do a deep dive later in the week, but anything you can give the fans real quick? Uh, so I haven't done a whole lot of research on um, you know on those teams yet. Uh, now we have a uh, over at College Baseball Central, we have a guy who does uh, who covers Iowa baseball for us. So you know, talking with him kind of this weekend, uh, they're uh, they have some they have some starting pitching. They have some okay. real pitchers uh, on the front end of their rotation. Uh, so you know that that could be that'll be good to see how this lineup fares against some really quality pitching. Now you know. I think their baseball team seems to kind of mirror their football team. You know, really good pitch, really good defense, not yeah. so much on offense. Right, right. Um, but, you know, I think it'll be a really good test against, a, you know, a real quality uh, arms. Um, that'll be fun to see, yeah. And I'm sure the LSU faithful will show up from around the Austin area as they look to pack that thing out with purple and gold. All right, question time. I know we had some questions come in. So uh, we'll see if we can throw those up on the screen for you. All right, if White would be the DH, what happens with Jones? <clears throat> I don't see White playing with the shoulders. You know what? That's a really good question, <clears throat> Brian. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. If, if his shoulder's hurting him in the field, does it then hurt him at, at the plate? You know, if, if, he, if he's not a full go in the field, is he full go swinging the bat? And then <clears throat> Jones, you know, he only catches and plays first or DH. So catching him first, obviously, he's taken up, and he's pretty much going to stick at DH, I think, at this year. So I, I just don't know if White's going to be able to swing it if he can't play third. You know, Jay may wait till he's completely healthy. I don't, I don't know, Alex, what do you think about that question? That's a good one. It is a good question. Um, and it was something I was kind of, you know, kind of thinking about earlier this weekend, um, you know, because it was his throwing shoulder that got hurt. So – that's going to be the biggest question is how he feels really when he needs to really rip it to first base. Um, you know, and it was definitely, it was thrown out earlier this weekend that he might be a DH, you know, next weekend. But I mean, that situation, you, you're going to, you're going to sit Jones. I mean, as great of as much potential as Jared Jones has as, as awesome as he was this weekend, he's not Tommy white. He didn't hit 27 home runs last season. Right. Like he, Right. You know, you're, you're going to start Tommy White at DH if he if you don't feel comfortable with him at third base. Yeah, I would agree. Just because you have a capable backup in um, in Nepal, who we've seen over there already, who played there for VCU. So I would agree with you on that one. Let's see if we have any more questions. It'll be interesting, though. If it hurts throwing, I just, you know, wonder how that would affect him swinging as well. But I agree with you on that one. Um, you could. Let's see. I love Nepal. Do you put Dugas in the outfield? I think you could put Gavin out there and left if you needed to. We've seen him play left field. Left field seems like a little bit of a revolving door this year for LSU. I could see that in, you know, in late game situations, maybe the eighth or ninth, if you don't need Dugas's bat, you could put Napoleon at second and you could leave whoever's out there and left. If Joe Bear's out there, you could put Pearson in there and you really don't, you know, you're not going to lose anything from a defensive standpoint. Um, I don't know though. I would think he would, Probably, I think Jay. If you had to put me to it, you keep Dugas at second base since he's really played there all fall and all spring, and then you do what you have to in the outfield. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I mean, this outfield is so loaded with talent that 
you know, there's just there's not really a good place for him in the outfield because there's just so there's other bats that maybe you want to get in. And he is such a nice player at second base. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I would keep him at second. I, yes, he absolutely can. We know he's capable of playing the outfield. He's a, you know, he's not a plus defender in the outfield, but he's a really solid outfielder. Um, you know, but I think with, with how much talent is already out there and, and only three spots, uh, well, really only two because Cruz isn't coming off the field. Um, you know, I just don't think uh, I don't think he goes out there this year. Yeah, I I agree, and I think <clears throat> if there's any late game subs, and let, let's just say Napoleon's on the bench, I would say Napoleon would come in for him, and then you may do something in the outfield. Like I, if Joe Bear starts, I can see them doing what they've done, where they put Pearson in late game because Pearson obviously we know can swing it, but he's a better outfielder, I think. Although Joe Bear hasn't looked bad when I've seen him out there, and he didn't do anything this weekend to to shake my confidence. So let's see if we have any more questions. <clears throat> Let's see. Good show. Appreciate that. Thanks for that, Michael. The new electronic ad billboard looks good behind the plate. Any other improvements? <clears throat> I would love to see them do some stuff at the box. Uh, look, Alex has been to mall, more ballparks than I have, I'm sure, recently. I think LSU's ballpark is nice, but in terms of SEC fields, it's behind Arkansas. It's behind Mississippi State's. Um, who else am I missing? Um, I know A&M has Ole a Miss. nice ballpark. Oh, Miss. So I think LSU needs to do some things from the ballpark from a fan's perspective. I think bleachers need to get out of there. They need to do something. I saw Mikey Matuk put on his uh, podcast, mic'd up on his Twitter account. They need to do some things to bring the, the students more into the games. Like, let it get rowdy. Let students get on players in a good way. Make the, the environment hostile like it was at the old box like it is now at Ole Miss where you have the beer showers and right. And they're doing a ton of things to upgrade their facility. I think LSU needs to do something with the stand situation to where it's just more friend, just not so much, uh, just work and get rowdy. I think I, at times when I go in there, it just feels so dead at times, you know, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, you know, I was kind of talking with some people on Twitter. I think it was on, uh, you know, Mikey Matzo's post, you know, I think, one of the first things they need to do is take that playground that's right by the right field bleachers and yeah. just get it out of there. You don't need the kids playing right next to the student section, right? You're just asking <laughs> for problems. Right. right. You know, yeah. and I, I saw another LSU student account talking about how some of the security people were removing students for cursing. Yeah. Like, come on. You know how they're doing that at a football game. Why are we doing that at a baseball game? Yeah, it's um, and I've seen people mention to move the to move the uh, mounds off of the field. Now I'm going to be honest. I used to love the mounds being on the field. It just felt like I was part of the game. And I'm also going to be honest. I was a lazy pitcher. I don't want to have to run in from left to right field. <laughs> and now you got two and a half minutes to get there, which is plenty of time. But I mean, you know, it's a stiff jog all the way there. <laughs> I got to catch my breath. I know I'm being lazy. I got to catch my breath, throw my eight warmups. But I love the fact that um. The mounds are on the field, but I could see that as being one of the first things they do is maybe putting them behind the fences, moving the seats closer to the field. I don't know, but I, I would definitely like to see them do some things with the box where it gets a little more rowdy in there. So I don't know. Do we have any, uh, any more questions in the queue? That's it. All right, Alex, I can't thank you enough, my man. Everybody, make sure y'all go follow Alex. There's his Twitter account right there. For those catching on the podcast, it is at Radio Man Day, D-A-Y. 
he's part of the Weekend Rotation podcast, and I hope um, I can get him a lot on these rapid reaction pods. He brings a ton of knowledge about college baseball in general, but also about LSU and the SEC to the podcast. So hopefully y'all enjoyed it. Alex, thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Chris. It was fun. Yeah, and I hope, I hope we can do this again. I know next weekend it, it's a little weird with LSU playing at 4 o'clock on a Sunday, which is kind of a bummer. But uh, during the SEC with those early Sunday games, I think this will be a great idea for the fans to kind of get in here on the way home or once they get home from Sundays and pop this on. And as always, don't forget, y'all make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel to get all the comments at 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU YouTube channel. On Twitter, the account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. I got to thank my man Jackson DeMuy for doing the producing today. He's in the background throwing up all the graphics. So this is a work in progress, and um, we're trying to get this thing grow and really try to get on more guests this year who know a lot about LSU baseball and then also who know a lot about SEC baseball and the upcoming opponents. And Alex is going to be part of that. So thanks once again, buddy, and have a good week. And we'll talk to you soon about Round Rock, all right? Sounds good, man. Talk to you later. All right, y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers.